You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, you fine people. Welcome back to Attaboy Clarence. I have no cold anymore. It's amazing. Marvelous to see you. Aren't you looking well? Please put some clothes on, though. Except you over there. You are rocking those sandals, by the way. Welcome, welcome. Lovely of you to join me this week for more Attaboy Clarence. My goodness. So many patrons have signed up for the old film club. It's looking like a scout's jamboree over there at the moment. Remember the date, the 27th of May. We'll be gathering together to watch a movie. It looks like Black Friday. The Universal Horror Movie may win out, but Gaslight is putting up a good fight. If you haven't yet, go on over to patreon.com slash attaboysecret and cast your vote. I was very remiss last week, and I completely forgot to send an audio thank you to the extremely wonderful and downright sexy Dave and Tina from the 60 Minutes With podcast, who sent to me the most marvellous gift. I'm a bit of a vinyl freak, and in the post I received the most incredible collection of vintage records, including a quite simply stunning Hollywood musicals set that folds out into a huge cardboard recreation of By a Waterfall from Footlight Parade, among others. So my heartfelt thanks to you, Dave and Tina. You really are super kind have sent those to me. I've been trying to think of an appropriate Canterbury to bestow upon you, and I think seeing as how you're both in Wales, I made you a Tom Jones featuring the Stereophonics Canterbury. Mama told me that's Canterbury. Mama told me that's Canterbury. She said, there ain't no way to help And, seeing as how I'm a thanking people for gifts, my hugest thanks to Mr. John Tenney, paranormal investigator extraordinaire who sent to me, all the way from the US, an original 1937 program for Frank Capra's Lost Horizon, which is such a beautiful object. I've read it like 12 times already, and it now resides in my small library of treasures. Alongside my Turin Shroud my original Declaration of Independence, and my prized folio edition of Lolita. So to you, Mr. Tenney, ghost expert, have a sixth sense to bury. I want to tell you my secret now. I see Canterbury. In your dreams? Walking around like regular. Canterbury. For the rest of you, here's a musical gift. Perry Como, no less, with Chibaba Chibaba. Get it on. Many a year ago in old Sorrento, a certain ditty was quite the thing. Whenever a mother rocked her baby in Sorrento, this little ditty 
she used to say. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, Angelawa, kookalagoomba. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, Angelawa, kookalagoomba. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. All the stars are in the skies, ready to say goodnight. Can't you see your doll is sleepy too? Close your drowsy little eyes, Mama will hold you tight while she sings a lullaby to you. Oh, chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, Angelawa, kookalagoomba. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. Chibaba, 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 chihuahua, Angelawa. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, Angelawa, kookalagoomba. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, Angelawa, kookalagoomba. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. All the stars are in the skies, ready to say good night, good night. Can't you see your doll is sleepy too? Close your drowsy little eyes, Mama will hold you tight while she sings a lullaby to you, ever so sweetly. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, Angelawa, kookalagoomba. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. Beautiful. Thank you, Mr. Como. Well, let's jump straight into a movie today. This is When the Bow Breaks from 1947, starring Patricia Rock, Bill Owen, and Rosamund Jock. Can I see Mrs. Gardner, please? Sorry, sir. I'm afraid visiting hours are three to four. It's very important. I am very sorry, sir, but... Uh... I'm afraid I must see her. Could I speak to the matron? Just a minute. This is the story of Lily Bates, played by Patricia Rock, who just after giving birth to her son, Jimmy, gets the unfortunate news that her husband has been arrested for... Wait for it. Your husband, that is Mr. Gardner, has been arrested for bigamy. Bigamy! Bigamy! I love the drama. Let's have it again, shall we? Has been arrested for bigamy. One more time. Bigamy. So anyway, Lily puts young Jimmy into a day nursery and gets herself a job in a department store to make ends meet. Well, one of the workers at the nursery, Frances, played by Rosamund John, is a middle-class wife who lost her baby in tragic circumstances. Well, she becomes attached to Jimmy and manages to persuade Lily to let him live with her. Seeing that Jimmy will have a much more prosperous life with Frances, she agrees. However... After eight years pass, Lily finds herself on the up and married to a shopkeeper, Bill, played by Bill Owen. 
Deciding that she now has the means to look after Jimmy herself, she tells Francis that she wants Jimmy back. But eight years have passed. Jimmy is part of Francis' family, and they're not going to give him up without a fight. Lily, you can't do this to him. You gave up all right to him years ago. But it's different now. I've got a good home for him to come back to. I can bring him up properly now. I'm not suggesting you can't. But you must see how bad it would be for him to be uprooted from all the life he knows. It can't be bad for a child to be with its own mother. But I told you, he thinks I'm his mother. But you're not, are you? First of all, it's worth saying that the poster for this movie is very, very misleading. I honestly thought it was going to be some kind of murder mystery. You have what appears to be a nurse at a child's bedside protecting said child and a creepy shadow on the wall looming over them. So I naturally thought that this was going to be some kind of psychological thriller. Nope. It's a kitchen sink drama set in post-war Britain about a mother who makes the wrong choice and then eight years later makes an even worse one. I have to say, the story is rather involving and slightly unconventional for a 1940s British movie. I mean, how many times have you seen a film about a mother reuniting with her child and instantly taken against the mother for doing so? Patricia Rock is in this and... Patricia Rock. Yes, indeed, that's Patricia Rock. She of the lifetime crush, and she is very good. She goes from bright-eyed to sinister at the drop of a hat, and the story of her slow descent into maternal madman is quite affecting. She turns into a very controlling presence in the second half of the movie, which tells the story of Jimmy's arrival at her home and her unflinching attempts to turn this boy into her long-lost son, even though he spent his formative years in another nest. It also has a lot to say about class. Jimmy is taken from an idyllic middle-class existence in the country and thrust into a very working-class, on-the-breadline type of environment. And it does a very good job of showing the struggles of adjusting so rapidly to such a sudden class shift. The last ace it has up its sleeve comes in the form of Bill Owen. Yes, Compo from Last of the Summer Wine, who plays Lily's new husband. He's rather wonderful in this. He's desperately in love with his wife and he wants her to have everything, even if it means taking a boy away from his parents. But when he sees the damage she's doing, he becomes the voice of reason and Jimmy's greatest ally, even though it drives a wedge between him and the woman he adores. What's the matter, son? Come on, tell your old pal Bill, what is it? I want to go home. But this is your home. Oh, I know it's a bit strange at first, but you'll get used to it. I won't. I'll never get used to it as long as I live. You see. The thing that lets it down, though, unfortunately, is the script. For instance, I know that British attitudes were different and somewhat reserved during that time period, but for heaven's sake, you'd expect a doting couple to be slightly more upset at the prospect of losing their only child. Here's the scene where Jimmy is taken away from Frances and her husband. Frances? Yes, Robert? There's no point in going on like this. There's no point in anything. You'll have a breakdown if you're not careful. I'll be all right. Hearts of stone, I tell you. Yes, just pull yourself together, old girl. It's only a child. There are flipping hundreds of them running about the place. We'll replace it when we get a new Frigidaire. It also has a little bit of trouble with how to wrap up its central dilemma. I mean, first Jimmy runs away back home and then he gets brought back. And then within one scene, we're at the end. And there's a very jarring final shot. It's like the producers were desperate to show that everyone gets a happy ending. 
I think a little more care and setup would have been wise. That's not to say I didn't enjoy it. It's perfectly decent. But definitely missold by its poster. Definitely lacking in the script department. And ultimately, rather unmemorable. If you really can't find anything else to watch, then check out When the Bow Breaks from 1947. But don't expect a classic. Suntan, windblown, honeymooners at last alone, feeling far above Gorgeous. That was Bing Crosby and Grace Kelly with True Love from High Society. I'm going to whip through films today. I'm going on to 1948, Here Comes Trouble, starring William Tracy, Emery Parnell, Joe Sawyer, and Betty Compton. Get yourself another police reporter, boss. I'm leaving. Don't tell me they've scared you off, too. I didn't get this from fright. When I came to, this was stuck in my hand. Get out of town. I'm taking the hint. This film was made in 1948, apparently. You'd never know. It looks like it was made in 1748. To say it looks like crap would be an insult to crap. 
There's something very cheap and cheerful about Hal Roach movies, of which this is one, and the emphasis is definitely on the cheap here. This is the story of Dorian Dodo Doubleday, a copyboy from a newspaper who's just returned from the war. Penny, the boss's daughter, is hopelessly in love with Dodo and persuades her father to not only give Dodo his job back, but to promote him to reporter, so they'll have enough to get married. I made Daddy promise to give you a promotion. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Businessmen resent that sort of... She's doing enough just taking me back. I love you for being so modest, but that's not the right approach with Daddy. The way to impress him is to assert yourself. I don't know, but I'll try. The boss does promote Dodo to the role of police reporter, handling the toughest assignments there are in a city overrun by organized crime. On his first day, Dodo reports to the police station and finds himself under the guidance of Sergeant Ames, his old sergeant during his army days, and it isn't long before old rivalries are flaring up. You just couldn't keep your big mouth shut, could you? But Ames, the, the man was innocent. Here, have a scar. Have another. One more. Don't try to soft-soak me. Being a Hal Roach film, the comedy is pretty corny. One of the film's big gags involves Dodo and Penny kissing in a car and accidentally putting the roof down. A delivery boy on a bike sees them kissing and doesn't watch where he's going and smashes into a parked car. That's pretty typical of the gags you can expect, despite the poster blaring that it contains laughs that are longer, fun that is funner. There's a scene where a woman hides in a shower. The shower turns on. Her hat gets wet. Boom. Although I have to say, there's a moment where Ames trips over and falls down the stairs, which is so sudden and so violent that I wonder if it was actually put in as a gag or whether it was some horrifying accident that took place on set that the producers decided to keep in the movie. Listen to this and tell me if it sounds like comedy. I mean... That's the kind of scream that emanates not from the funny bone, but from the depths of one's soul. It's the kind of scream you cough up during a nightmare, not when you're trying to make an audience laugh. So pretty standard fare, a vaguely involving mystery, not much to mark it out, and certainly not that funny. Until the final ten minutes, that is, when the bad guy is chased around a theatre by the good guys and passes through loads of acts doing their thing on stage. And so you have a villain evading capture during various theatrical performances. And I kid you not, it is one of the most bizarre sequences of cinema you've ever seen. You have sandbags being dropped, jugglers' batons knocking cops out, electrocutions, a man swinging across the stage in his underpants, a man being physically assaulted by a seesaw, a man hiding in a barrel being used as a weapon. It goes on. In fact, it goes on for so long that it becomes a bit David Lynchish in its weirdness. That's not a bad thing, by the way. It just messes with your head. You'll find yourself sort of gaping, mouth wide open at the sheer lunacy playing out before you, all sort of catatonic. The film ends and you realize you're on your knees, bent at a 45 degree angle, and drool is running down your chin, and you wonder how you got there. Well, I did anyway. And if that kind of lobotomizing effect sounds like something you're after in a movie, then do check out 1948's Here Comes Trouble. Oh my god, I may have a new favorite movie of all time, by the way. Just wait till I tell you about 1944's 
Timber Queen, starring Richard Arlen, Mary Beth Hughes, Sheldon Leonard, and June Havoc. Oh, uh, baby, why don't you come up to the office a little and visit? Not me, Smacky. I'm getting athlete's heart from running around that desk. Baby, that ain't no way to talk. First up, this film has the greatest character names in the history of fiction. Get this. You have Lil Boggs, Squirrel, Wenzel, Strudel, and perhaps the greatest character name of all time, Smaxy Golden. It doesn't get much better than Smaxy Golden, by the way. And to top it all off, the lead character is called Russell Russ Evans. I mean, come on. What a wacky name. Russell Russ in speech marks, Evans. Because, you know, you may not be familiar with how to shorten the name Russell for yourself, so Russell Russ Evans has helpfully done the work for you. It's Russ, okay? So anyway, Russell Russ Evans is a returning army captain who's come to find Elaine, the widow of his friend who died during the war, so as to make sure she's doing okay. He finds her singing in a nightclub to make ends meet, despite the fact that she's supposedly sitting on a rich piece of logging land left to her by her dead husband. Only it isn't rich anymore because Elaine's been gypped by a ruthless businessman who'll own the land in 60 days unless she can make some serious money fast. Well, that's where Russell Russ Evans comes in. He's got a plan that's wild as why not just sell 30,000 logs in 60 days? That'll get her property back. See, Talbot and Evans had a contract to buy all the logs that Ken could cut and deliver. Now, here's my plan. We can cut 30,000 logs in 60 days. That would get your property back. Get out your nail file, darling. We're going to start cutting timber. But if they're going to cut down a billion trees or whatever, then they're going to need some help. And who better to ask than Elaine's gangster friends from the nightclub, headed by Smaxy Golden, played by Sheldon Leonard. Well, how do you like it up here, Sugarpuss? Oh, Smaxy, just wonderful. Ain't it beautiful? Look at the forest. Forest? I don't see nothing but trees. Oh my God, I love this film. What's not to love about gangsters cutting down trees? And it is as fun as that sounds. There's a scene where they run out of men. So all the mobsters go around town dragging people out of their dinners and jobs and putting them to work, cutting down trees. And it is probably the funniest thing I've seen so far this year. I'll tell you how much I like this film. I watched it and then I watched it again straight afterwards. This is brilliant. I have no idea why it's called Timber Queen, by the way. I know it has timber in it. That much I know. I didn't see a queen anywhere. And the lead female character is hardly in it. So I still don't know why it's called Timber Queen. It should really be called Hoods in the Woods. But hey, they called it Timber Queen. So I put it on, not expecting anything. I was feeling poorly and I wanted something that wasn't too long. And then, holy hell, this film was fun. Despite the fact that mathematically the film makes no sense, there's about five lumberjacks and they're cutting huge trees down with axes. And you're expected to believe that they managed to chop down 30,000 trees in 60 days. That's 84 trees each per day. I couldn't even cut a deck of cards that many times in a day, let alone a 20-foot thick tree with an axe. Also, this is one of those movies where everyone wears white clothes and no one gets dirty, despite the fact that they're cutting down trees. 
Also, some of the men wear ties while they're doing it, which I'm pretty sure is against the lumberjack code of conduct. I should say not. Also, the whole climax of the film revolves around a dam being blown up. You see, the nefarious villain has set off some dynamite between a narrow space in a river, and the river is dammed. And now they can't get the timber down the river, so they come up with a great plan. They'll fly a plane really low over the dam and drop a bomb onto the dam, and that will blow up the dam and everything will be fine. Cue some very tense moments as the plane flies a bit too low, and then he misses his chance with the bomb, etc. Never mind the fact that it would have been far easier to, you know, walk to the dam and just put the bomb on it. Also, why on earth did they cast Richard Arlen in the lead role? I'm not being rude, but compared to everyone else, he's old as f***, plus he's grumpy as f***. They have good old Sheldon Leonard and the rest of the gangsters rolling up their sleeves and getting stuck in. And then grumpy old Richard Arlen wanders on screen and tells them off every five minutes. And he just thinks, oh, go away, you curmudgeonly old fart. Stop making this film less fun. Thankfully, his scenes are far outweighed by everything going on around him. For instance, there's a peach of a marriage proposal. Do you ever think of marrying again? No, I haven't. Kind of can? No. Why? I don't know. I just never thought about it. You've got to start thinking about it now. I am thinking about it, you big dumbbell. And there's a quite phenomenal punch-up at the end. I mean phenomenal, too. Every time someone punches someone, they leap in the air. Honestly, they really go for it. Plus, they do that cartoon fighty thing where they punch each other in the chest. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, really fast. I'm going to put myself out there and say it's the finest screen fight in all of cinema. It's the template that the Bourne films were obviously based on. Oh yeah, and how about the prize for longest time to grab the gist of an evil plan? They can't float logs down the river without water. What do you mean? We've got plenty of water. You give up too easily. That spot's on our property, isn't it? Well, you mean the narrows here? Yeah. Well, sure, I helped you to buy it. What would happen if the steep sides of that narrow stream caved in accidentally? Well, dam up the river. Let me show you something. River plus dam on our property equals river minus water on Graham's property. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. But you know what I really love most about this film? Everything! So yeah, Timber Queen. It's free to watch online and everything. Don't blame me if it suddenly becomes your new favorite ever movie. I've warned you. So there are no radio versions of any of the films I've told you about today, but... Radio's outstanding theatre of thrills, Suspense, did produce a one-shot story entitled When the Bow Breaks, which starred Rosalind Russell alongside Sheldon Leonard, who plays Smaxy Golden in Timber Queen, so plenty of connections for today. Now, this is definitely not a kitchen sink drama set in post-war Britain. This When the Bow Breaks is definitely a thriller, so buckle up, and in we go for half an hour of Suspense. See you on the other side. Autolite and its 96,000 dealers present Suspense. Tonight, Autolite brings you the story of a woman who holds death over her husband's head when the bow breaks. Starring Miss Rosalind Russell. (laughs) 
Say, Harlow, I just saw one of those old-fashioned electric autos. Old-fashioned? How about your car, Hap? Well, mine uses gasoline. Does gas crank your engine, run your radio, your lights, your heater, your cigarette lighter? Why, no. Electricity does. You bet it does, Hap, and it's all produced and stored right under the hood of your car. And that's where Autolite comes in, Hap, because Autolite designs and builds complete electrical systems used as original factory equipment on many leading makes of our finest cars. You mean Autolite makes generators, coils, and distributors, eh, Harlow? They sure do, Hap. With all the units and their thousands of component parts related by Autolite engineering design and Autolite manufacturing skill to give the smoothest performance money can buy. Sounds like a winning combination to me, Harlow. It is, Hap, believe me. So, friends, take a tip from me and specify Autolite, original factory parts, when replacements are needed for your Autolite-equipped car. You'll find it pays, because you're always right with Autolite. And now, with When the Bow Breaks and the performance of Miss Rosalind Russell, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense. I remember when I was little. I remember you used to swing me in the garden and the big maple tree and the rusty squeak as I went up and down, up and down. Grandfather, don't let me fall. I want you to hold me like you used to when I was hurt. I'm afraid because I'm dying, just the way you died, Grandfather. And why should I die? How did it all happen? This is it, baby. Oh, it looks very nice. Oh, oh, Harry, please be careful of my coat. You're dragging it there oh, on the ground. I'm sorry, Ev. Here, you, you hold it while I get the key out. I'll get the suitcases later. Now, wait a minute, baby. Let's do this right. Oh, oh Harry, put me down. People are watching. Now, let them watch. Not... We're married. This is the way it's done. Oh, you've got a lot to learn. All right, now. Put me down, Harry. Please. Harry, I asked you to put me down. Will you please Baby, put me... Baby, I'm sorry. Oh, you're sweet. I, I'm tired. I, I didn't mean to be angry. I'm tired, that's all. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, you like it? Oh, it's a very nice house, dear. I'm sure we'll be comfortable. Not bad for a short order deal. Take a look around. Here, open this door. It's a closet. Yeah, it's not bad, eh? They're all like that. Lots of room. Living room, dining room through here, kitchen. Harry, please... Can I sit down for a minute? My head's splitting. Yeah, sure, baby, sure. On the sofa, huh? That's not bad, huh? Come on, now. Off with the shoes. Oh. Come on, put your feet up. Oh, thank you, dear. It, it all looks very nice. You must have spent a lot of money, though. Ah, money, nothing. As soon as the probate judge turns the real money loose, we'll get something that'll knock your eye out. I don't want to talk about that, Harry. I don't want to even think about it. Never again. No, of course not, baby. What's the matter with me? Of course you don't. I don't want to think about it, Grandfather. But I have to talk about it to you. There'll be the lawyers to pay and the inheritance tax. I never realized how very much you were worth. But you never spoke much about money. It was always there ever since I can remember. Funny. 
I never thought about it and until after you'd gone. Harry did, though. I lied to you about Harry. I'm sorry I didn't meet him the way I said. I, I picked him up, Grandfather, on the beach. I went looking for a man, and I found him. The men you chose for me were so weak. I wanted someone like you, like Harry. It wasn't respectable of a woman in her late 30s to do that, was it? I'm sorry. Well, honey, I guess you didn't know that I had a feel for interior decorating, did you? No, no, I didn't. Maybe when we get the dough, I can... Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, baby. I, I was figuring maybe I'd go in the business. Harry, how did you know they'd let me go? How did you know all this wouldn't be wasted, or... Or maybe you'd be here with another girl. You're the girl, Mousie. Only you. Besides, they couldn't have pinned it on you. Why, I watched that jury. You're high class. They believed you. Yesterday. I didn't think I'd be married now and in a new house. I thought I... Oh, forget it. You've been acquitted, and that's it. From here on in... We're... Harry! Baby, baby, you're jumpy. Yes, I'm jumpy. Harry... Relax. Married couples have callers. Probably the next-door neighbors. You stay right here. I'll get rid of them. Harry Stryker. Fancy meeting you here. What do you want, Corcoran? <gasps> he doesn't say glad to see. He doesn't say come in and have a drink. All he says is, what do you want, Corcoran? We're busy. No statements. No statements? You just got married, didn't you? You moved into a new house. Your wife beat a murder rap yesterday. No statement. <laughs> Your news. Harry, make him go away. Harry, please. Mrs. Stryker. Well, well, congratulations on all counts. Marriage, murder, and money. All right, Corcoran, out. Are you kidding? <laughs> you and Evie are good for five or six more front pages. Mm. You're my babies, my story of the year. I'm going to bounce you. You can beat me to it by walking out, but fast. Why don't you leave us alone? The trial is over. The state is finished with us. Why can't you be... Finished, Evie? You were acquitted, if that's what you mean. You can never be tried again for the same murder. And please... Not even if you said to me it might amuse your readers to know, Mr. Corcoran, that I really did murder my grandfather. They can't touch you. I'm going to work you over, boy, so that you'll never chew a steak again. I would. Then get out. Okay. But first, I came here to tell you something. Have we go in the next room. No, no. What do you want, Mr. Corcoran? Oh, nothing much, Mrs. Stryker. I just wanted to tell you that I'm going to do a Sunday feature on you. I'm going to call it She Has Him in the Palm of Her Hand. No, no. Forget about us, please. Harry, give him some money. Tell him to stop. <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough, Evie. The story of why you hold this guy's life in your hands is too good. What do you mean by that, Crack? I knew your wife would beat the case and I laid eyes on her, Harry. That holier-than-thou look, grandfather known by one and all to be a wretched old man, myerson as a lawyer... Cinch. You've written about those things, Mr. Corcoran. Don't you think that uh, after all wait the Wait a minute, I'm leading up to it. The autopsy showed your grandfather had a disease that would have killed him anyway in a few more months. So, verdict, well, Why can't you understand that suicide? He knew, he knew he was going to die. I don't buy it. But I buy this. Harry, you were never brought to trial because they couldn't tie you into it. You had an alibi for the night the old man drank that poison. Yeah, I wasn't there. Uh, the DA knew that you're a photographer among other things, and had access to cyanide, but he couldn't hang anything on you. So you weren't tried for murder. She was. She can't be again. Not 
for that one. Harry, I'm tired of this. Mr. Cochran is trying to frighten us, that's all. Will you ask him to leave? Now, hold it, baby. Go on, Cochran, get to the point. Sure. Well, like I say, you weren't indicted. But you could be, if your wife talked. Talked? But there's nothing for me to talk about. What, what, what could I say? You could say that Harry got the cyanide for you and you worked it out together to get the old man's money. Then they'd try Harry, not you, Evie, because you've been acquitted. I won't listen. I won't. Okay, okay. So long, Cochran. Sure. <laughs> Don't get sore. If you didn't do it, you haven't got a thing to worry about, Harry. But if you did, you better be nice to Mrs. Stryker, because maybe someday she'll get mad. And if she talks, it's bye-bye, Harry. So long, Cochran. <laughs> You got him in the palm of your hand, Evie. Remember, they can't touch you for it. When Harry came back from the door, I knew what he was thinking. What that horrible newspaper reporter had said. He wouldn't look at me. He just went to a table and poured a drink. I was afraid of him. I wanted him to hold me and tell me it was all right like you used to, but he didn't. And then I wanted to run away, anywhere, get on a boat, fly, never see Harry Stryker again, run, run, run. Where but, you going, baby? Well, I, I, I need some air. I thought I'd now go don't out. don't be silly. You don't want to go out there. Corcoran's probably still hanging around. Harry, Harry. What, what is it, Marcy? Harry, it's all right, isn't it? I mean, you don't believe what he said. No, of course not. He's a snooper, that's all. It, it wasn't the money, was it, Harry? You didn't want me just because of the money. Now, baby, I'm I... not pretty. I'm not clever. You don't love me, do you? Why should I attract a man like you? It was the money, wasn't it? You're upset, baby. Look, go lie down, will you? It's okay. Everything's okay. Say it. Say you love me. You never have. Please. Harry. Harry, look at me. Tell me you think I'm pretty. Harry. Say nice things to me. Tell me you love me. Harry, Keep please. your voice down. Corcoran's still outside. He's listening. That was it then. All the time. That's all you cared about, the money. It's never been me. All I wanted was to love you and to have you and to be... I'll, I'll get you a drink. No. No, no, no. Oh, I wish I were dead. I wish I'd told them the truth. I should have said, I'm guilty. We're both guilty. Harry and I did it. We murdered him. We murdered Grandfather. <laughs> Baby... Don't ever say that again, not even to yourself. Don't even think it. When he finished what he had to say, he just looked at me. There was death in my new husband's eyes. Autolite is bringing you Miss Rosalind Russell with Sheldon Leonard in When the Bow Breaks. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. What are you doing? Oh, I Harlow. I was just proving to myself how important the Autolite electrical system is to my Autolite-equipped car. Well, it's the lifeline of your car, Hap. And Autolite designs and builds complete electrical systems, including the coil, distributor, generator, and starting motor for many leading makes of our finest cars. 
Autolite electrical systems are built to give you the smoothest performance money can buy. I'm sure glad my car is Autolite equipped. Right, Hap. So, friends, because the electrical system of your car is so important to the smooth, efficient, and economical operation of your car, it will pay you to treat your car occasionally to a checkup at your nearest authorized Autolite service station, whose name is listed in the classified section of your telephone book, or at the dealer who sells your make of car. In either place, or at the garage or repair shop displaying the Autolite Original Factory Parts sign, you can be sure of getting Autolite Original Factory Parts in case your Autolite-equipped car needs replacements. And you'll find it pays, because you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Rosalind Russell in Elliot Lewis's production of When the Bow Breaks. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I remember the scent of our garden. I remember when we used to swing me in the evening before supper and the honeysuckle, sweet, drifting about us. We were happy, weren't we? Not like the sadness that came afterwards and the bitter taste that isn't the taste of honeysuckle. Why am I dying, Grandfather? Where are you? Hold my hand that I shan't be afraid of the dark. Afraid of Harry standing there so close, his dark, angry face looking down at me. You've got to get hold of yourself, Evie. Do you hear me? Yes, yes, all right. This is no good. Don't you see what Corcoran wants? If he can get us at each other's throats, he'll have us and his lousy story. But I wouldn't do anything to hurt you. How can you think You've such a thing? You've got to get straightened out. The way you are now, you'll spill over the first time anyone puts pressure on I you. I won't, Harry, honestly. I'll never say a word. I won't. I just want to be happy with you. I want you to love me. Sure, baby, sure. But you've got to understand, like Corcoran says, it's my neck now, not yours. We've got to be careful. Harry, maybe if I went away somewhere, alone, maybe I could rest and forget the trial and, and go somewhere and rest. I'll come back. You wouldn't have to worry about me saying anything. No, Everything it. will be all right when I come back. You'll let me go, won't you, Harry? You wouldn't do anything to stop me. Harry! Shut Harry, up! Will Harry! You... Cut it out! Oh, honey, I... I didn't want to do that. You, you've got to believe me, I didn't... Well, you see what you like. I've got to watch you, take care of you. You hit me. Nobody ever hit me, ever. It's all right, it's all right, Mouse. Don't touch me, don't. There you see, all of a sudden you're afraid of me, and it's just because of that Corcoran guy. Look, you mustn't be afraid of me. We're in the clear, don't you see? It's all downhill now. Your grandfather was already dying, only we didn't know it. So when we when, when we did what we did, then luck was with us. So we're in the clear. They couldn't prove anything against you then. They can't now. I've always been afraid of you. I've always done what you wanted me to do. Part of it was because I loved you, but most of it because I'm afraid. You never let anything get in your way. Grandfather was in your way. Now maybe it's me. Are you saying that this was all my idea? Are you saying that you never asked me to help you get rid of the old man? Oh, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm tired. Yeah, that's it. You're tired. Well, you make me a drink. I'll get the bags out of the car. You've got to start getting domestic, Mousy. You're, you're an old married woman now. He went out to get the suitcases, but left the front door open. It was too cold to leave the door open. 
He wanted it that way, so that he could see me, or hear me if I picked up the telephone. You mustn't laugh when I tell you that in the middle of the living room standing there, I felt the same way I did when you punished me. When you used to put me in the hall closet and make me stand in the dark with the door closed. I must have been a very naughty little girl sometimes. Is that why I killed you, Grandfather? That night I had a dream. It was a funny dream. There was an enormous alarm clock in the middle of a field. The sun was shining and you and I were dancing in time to the ticking of the clock. Then, then Harry came along and he tried to dance too, but he was clumsy and tripped and fell down. He waved his arms and his mouth went open and shut, but we couldn't hear him because of the ticking. <laughs> oh, we laughed so hard. <laughs> Funny. Harry. Oh, nothing. No, nothing. It was just a dream. Yeah, well, tell me about it. Well, I can't. I, I don't remember. It was just funny. You didn't sound like you were asleep. Well, I was. Really, I was. Maybe you figured out a way to tip off Corcoran about me, eh? Maybe that's what no, was funny. No, no, Harry, it was a dream. You haven't but... been kidding me. Why do you think I've watched you every minute? I know what's on your oh, mind. Oh, you're wrong. I thought we were happy. With what you're holding over my head? With what you can do to me? Are you kidding? Now, listen. I haven't slept since the trial, and you know why? It's because I'm afraid of you. Every time we go to the store, every time we go out anywhere, I'm waiting for you to run. Call the cops. I wouldn't. You know I wouldn't. I've never even thought of it. Not since... Not since yesterday? Well, you thought of it plenty then, didn't you? Didn't you? Yes. No. No. Mm. Oh, Harry. Now you're laughing because you figure you can get rid of me. No, no, no. No, no. You're right. Don't kid yourself. I figured out the whole thing. I got us in the clear. And now you want to mess it what? up. What are you going to do to me? You're going to... You... Oh, no. It depends, baby. It depends on whether you can keep your mouth shut. Why did we do it? Why did we kill him? You wanted the money. No, no, you don't understand. I wanted to get away from him, and I wanted you. But I'm not away. All right, Marcy, all right. But we did it, and now we've got to follow it through. You didn't want me without the money. You didn't want me at all. Just the money. You don't love me. It happens I do. That's something you can't understand, huh? I've tried to make you believe me, and... And something like this comes up, and I'm, I'm afraid of you. I, I keep remembering that if you want to, you can send me to the chair. Hurry, I wouldn't. I could never hurt you. Don't worry. You won't. I'm going to watch and see that you don't. Now you better get back to sleep. The next day, he didn't talk to me at all. He didn't say a word. We just sat around the house, and I felt ugly. I prayed I... I'd suddenly be beautiful because then he'd trust me and he'd know that I wouldn't hurt him. It was after lunch that he went into the kitchen. I wanted to watch him now just as he was watching me. I couldn't bear to have him out of my sight. Supposing he went out the back door, around the front and crept up quietly behind me. I got up, stood behind the dining room door looking through the crack. He was taking down a vial from the closet where he kept his photographic things. I couldn't see a label, but I knew what it was. He put the vial in his jacket pocket and closed the closet. I was going to be murdered with cyanide the way you were, Grandfather. You stay here and keep quiet. I'll answer the door. I don't want to hear a sound out of you. Good afternoon, sir. I'm your daily town.
time's delivery boy, and I've come to welcome you into our community. Yeah, sure, okay, some other time, huh? As a service to you, so that you may keep abreast of world events. Your newspaper, the Daily Times... Now, look, buddy, we don't need a paper. Go peddle them somewhere else. Please call someone. Tell the police Sorry, kid, we're not interested. Shut up, shut up. I'll get back in the living room. I should have known it. Oh, you crazy... I ought to kill you for trying that. I ought to kill you. Kill. Kill me. That's what he was going to do. I had to get away or use the phone. Call the police. I needed your grandfather. I needed you to help me. He walked slowly back into the living room and took off his jacket. I thought how funny it was. Just like a man before a fight. Perhaps he thought I'd fight with him to save my life. What is it like to die, Grandfather? I used to ask you that when I was little. When Dad died. It's hot in here. I'm going to have a drink. I fixed the phone so you can forget that. I'll only be in the kitchen so I can hear you. Don't try anything. Now he was going to use it. The cyanide. He hadn't taken it out of his jacket pocket. It was still there. I knew it was. I heard him open the refrigerator and get out some ice. I didn't even have to get up. I could reach his jacket from where I sat. I was very careful. Used my handkerchief to get the vial out. I'd learned about fingerprints during the trial. I knew just how much to put in a drink so that it wouldn't taste. Harry had taught me that. I was reaching for the cork in the whiskey bottle when I heard him coming back. Forgot the ice. He hadn't seen me. He hadn't. I took the cork out of the whiskey bottle and emptied the vial of cyanide into it. That was all. It was done. I was sitting in my chair when Harry came back with the ice. What's the matter with you? Nothing. You're sick? No, 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 I'm all right. Well, you, you don't look all right. You better have a drink. I, I don't want any. No, you better. We got to talk. Here you are. This will fix you up. Drink it straight. Yeah. No, no, Harry. I don't want it. I, I can't stand the taste of it, please. Now, there you go again. You're getting hysterical. Now, come on. This will settle you down. No, no, I won't. I won't. It'll let go of me. It'll make me sick. Please, Harry, don't make me. Here. Harry, you know I never drink. Harry, I don't want it. It won't kill you. No. Would you rather have me slap you around? Now, cut it out. Drink it. No. Come on, Harry, drink Harry, it. Harry, no. Look, 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 Harry. There was a terrible burning grandfather. I tried to fight, but I couldn't. And I saw Harry fade away further and further until he was miles above me, leaning down and calling to me. I can see his face, so frightened. Then there was nothing. It's very quiet, except for the swing. 
quiet. Quiet. You won't let me fall, will you? I can't see you. But you're there. Hold my hand, Grandfather. I don't want to be alone. She's gone. I'm surprised she held on so long. Cyanide cases are usually faster. Cyanide? Hey, wait a minute. No I'm telling. Okay, come on, Striker. We're going downtown. Well, what are you talking about, cyanide? What do you mean? I Didn't never... did you know? There was an empty bottle in your jacket pocket. Your print's all over it. On the glass she drank from, too. Well, yeah, sure they are. She, she was having hysterics, so I, I made a drink from it. Cyanide never cured hysterics, Harry. No, look, I didn't do it. Listen, I didn't kill her. Like you didn't have anything to do with her grandfather's murder, I know. What was the matter? She threatened to talk? I didn't do it, I tell you, I didn't. Okay, so you didn't do it. Come on. Now, look, don't you understand? I put that cyanide in my pocket because I was afraid that she'd use it on me. I wasn't going to kill her. I, I, I was just trying to quiet her down. Brother, when you quiet them down, they stay quiet. Let's go. And that was When the Bow Breaks from Suspense, starring Rosalind Russell and Sheldon Leonard. Great stuff. Well, before I go, I must just tell you about next week's show, which is dedicated to a very special someone. Once named the Queen of Hollywood, Myrna Loy is without doubt one of the most beloved of all Golden Age superstars. That's perfectly obvious from the outpouring of affection on social media as soon as I announced she was the star of episode 88. Well, next week, prepare for a Myrna overload. Four movies featuring Miss Loy as well as two radio plays. So if Myrna is your gal, and why on earth wouldn't she be, then join me here for a Myrnathon. And I'm delighted to say that joining me with some Library of Congress tidbits, or should that be... Library of Congress. <clears throat> yes, anyway, joining me for another of her inside looks, the very clever mademoiselle Miss Brooke Darnell, so be here for that. For now, though, if you'd like bonus content, there's another extra slice of Attaboy Clarence for patrons this week, where I'll be giving you a whistle-stop tour of a 1939 classic. So if you're a patron, keep your eyes peeled. And if you're not, then sign up. It's so easy. Just listen on to the end of this show to find out how. Until next time, then. Thank you for joining me today. Take very good care of yourselves. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.com attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews and ebooks. and every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. 
go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.